Coming up on Podcast 1892, the Renault Scenic E-Tech, VW's ID GTI now gets a release date. That was quick. And the Mercedes-Benz CLA EV. Stick around those stories and more. Welcome to a new Patreon executive producer. So you get your name in the show notes, and you are one of the superstars that puts us on the air, Ron Hunter. Now, Ron signed up before my holidays. So, Ron, thank you for waiting to get your name check on the air, but I appreciate it. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. EV News Daily is your trusted source of EV information. It is Tuesday, the 5th of September. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through EV every EV story I've forgotten how to do this. Uh, So you don't have to. We go live at 5 p.m. UK, midday Eastern. Patreon supporters get the episodes as soon as they're ready and ad-free. Be like them by clicking on a link in the show notes. Thank you for your patience while we took a week's family holiday and then flew back into something which we were not expecting. Now, for viewers of the Friday podcast, now the Batteries Included podcast, which I was meant to be joining last Friday, on the 1st of September, I did drop in a short recorded segment to Dom and Tom and Kyle to explain why I couldn't do that. And I can explain to you now where I've been. I can do a full podcast on the experience. If anybody cares, no one does. But I will tell you that this year, we've been going through the adoption process. My wife and I felt very strongly that we wanted to do this, both 45 years old, it's now or never. And We thought the timeline would be a bit more extended, perhaps going into October, but uh, the plans fell into place while we were away in in Tenerife uh, with our our five-year-old, and uh, we flew back into that to the social workers saying, hey, we have a plan, we are ready to go. Lots of meetings over the last few months, and uh, lots of things to be approved, and lots of things to get signed off, as you can imagine, and uh, the baby is now with us. That's why I wasn't back immediately after our Tenerife holiday. And so I don't want to bore you with everything happening in my personal life. But if you want to know any more details about you know the process, what we've been through, I'll happily write a post for Patreon or do a short five minute podcast of uh, of everything that's been going on for those that care. If not, I guess you can just delete it. But yeah, we've had a crazy couple of weeks. She's currently napping. I will tell you no more details because, you know, I, I guess with adoption, there's different ways of doing it. Sometimes it's a you know couple of kids, 16-year-old, they get pregnant and it's all very amicable and they decide to give up their baby. Um, this is not one of those cases. And without going into the details, uh, as you can imagine, um, babies don't generally get removed if they're in a warm, loving, safe non-abusive home so uh, and that's our situation and so we have um, a bunch of things that uh, come with this decision to do that and we're more than ready to uh, to do that and to give a like I say open up our home extend our home uh, my son has been absolutely incredible he's made up to be an older brother and uh, it's difficult for him you know he's going back to school today is his first day of going back into year one and all those things that come with you know you you'll remember going back to school sometimes can be emotional and you you know he's just turned five and yet and then we come in and say hey by the way we want to add to our family and we want to do this amazing thing that welcomes somebody in because we can provide a home that other people can't and uh, he totally got it and so that's where I've been enough about me let's talk about electric vehicles Renault's CEO Luca De Maio acknowledged China's strong position in the EV sector describing it as very competitive That's a bit of an understatement, isn't it? As part of Renault's strategy to strengthen their foothold in the electric vehicle market, they want to introduce the new Scenic electric vehicle. Now, the Scenic is called the E-Tech, and it's debuted at the motor show that's going on right now, IAA Mobility. 
It's in Munich, and you're going to hear lots of stories coming out of that show over the next few days. You may have seen some on social media, etc. Now, the Renault Scenic began its journey back in 1996, and if your country where you're listening to this podcast hasn't had the Renault Scenic, it, re- it really revolutionised the compact MPV market. If you needed to shuttle around many family members of which we've now got four, not three. Um, And you needed to do that in a way that was affordable. The Renault badge isn't the most premium. They would admit that. They sell on price, not, you know, having that badge on the front, but that's their position in the market, and they do it unbelievably well. Then family affordable Renaults have always been uh, very good choices, but the the, the Scenic really added to that. And now the Renault Scenic uh, MPV, if you want to call it that, is going all electric with two powertrain options. I can tell you today uh, that they have now confirmed to me it's got a 125 kilowatt motor uh, or 160 kilowatt motor. The lower-powered motor gets a 60-kilowatt-hour battery. They're aiming for 260 miles. And the bigger battery is 87 kilowatt-hours, and they target 280 miles. So not the best efficiency figures there, but this is a larger vehicle, not the most aero vehicle. They're using LG cells, for those that are interested, the um, pretty standard NMC nickel-manganese-cobalt technology. But they have improved it on what is on the road at the moment in the things like the Megane. It's about 6% denser, adding a heat pump as well, because a lot of those Renaults are sold in places like here, colder climate, which again is great for efficiency. And it uses uh, a synchronous, excited synchronous motor, uh, which is, they say, more efficient than and not relying on rare earth materials than, than using a permanent magnet motor. So how fast does it charge? You might be wondering if you're on a family road trip, 150 kilowatts, which is really good. Uh, or as the press release from Renault that I was sent says, 150 kilowatt hours. <laughs> you know, even those that work, it's their job to know this stuff. I've done it before. Even they did a slip of the finger. Uh, it's kilowatts, not kilowatt hours, entirely different things. Uh, it's built on the CMF EV platform. Flat floor on this vehicle, a couple of wheel choices as well, 19s or 20s, so nothing major performance-wise. Long wheelbase on this, they're really going big on talking about the panoramic roof, and I think that, rightfully so, this is really cool technology. Just to talk about the dimensions, about four and a half metres long, almost two metres wide, 1.5 metres high, loads of rear space, um, and just loads of space generally for the, the, the family. Designed as an EV, so flush door handles, trying to get some aero in here. The panoramic roof I mentioned has uh, four different adjustable settings based on the car occupancy, the external temperature as well. And you can, uh, it's like the the panoramic roofs that you've seen before on very premium vehicles where it can either turn completely uh, kind of frosted or it can become clear. And to have that on a, a more affordable mainstream vehicle, I think is a fantastic technology. They are talking about the... Multisense, which they have styled in all caps. Multisense, because they're shouting! <laughs> Multisense, just to tell you how Renault have styled that. Multisense is all about uh, the car interior changing its colours as you drive and go through the day. So it can be more of a blue light in the mornings. It can be more of a warm white in the evenings. I've got some Zigbee light bulbs that do that. Uh, and it's actually very good. It does kind of 
trick your brain. And uh, that's really cool. It runs on and Google, so it runs on Android Automotive, so you get all of the access to the Google App Store, 50 custom apps for it as well. Dual screens, a 12.3-inch horizontal dashboard and a 12-inch vertical console display. And again, the press release talks a lot about how Google and Renault have worked together for route planning, EV route planning, to ensure that the charger power is updated in Google Maps. If you want to navigate to 150 kilowatt DC fast chargers or faster, because that's what your vehicle can charge at, it will do that. It'll tell you the speed of the charger you're going to. It will precondition the battery. It's all good EV stuff. This looks like a really, really competent electric vehicle. So again, using that Google operating system to exactly what every good EV should do, not all do this, but to go on a road trip, to navigate to a charger of a certain speed, to know that your car will be absolutely ready to accept the maximum charge rate when you get there. No leather in the vehicle, uh, which is great for sustainability. And they're talking a lot about the modular battery design as well. There's 20 maintenance centers they've opened already in Europe to either repair, recycle, or put these batteries that are going to be coming out of the e-tech vehicles admittedly in many, 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 many years into Second Life applications. So that is a big story today. It's a very affordable vehicle. I haven't got a price on it, obviously, but the Renault Scenic is not going to be. It's not a premium vehicle, so it'd be aimed at families and, you know, everything's getting more expensive, I know, so it's not going to be a cheap vehicle. But I think they've absolutely smashed it with this. Perfect specs, not too fast, you know, and they haven't put in sort of 250 kilowatt DC fast charging because they want to hit some sort of record. That's not Renault's thing anyway, but 150 kilowatt fast charging is really good for road trips. And I think they've absolutely nailed all of the key things on that. And I can't wait to find out more details about it. Let me know what you think. You can email me. Uh, you can say hello at evnewsdaily.com is my email address or on social media as well about what you think of the new Renault Scenic. Let's go a little higher end, although this is going to be a low ve- lower end vehicle for Mercedes-Benz, the CLA. Not actually a vehicle they're up, up, uh, up un- unveiling at IAA Mobility, but uh, it was more of a concept for this new saloon sedan 466 miles of range that is 750 kilometers wltp is the target built on the modular architecture mercedes modular architecture mma platform and they're targeting 5.2 miles per kilowatt hour and that is just next level again They've got all that experience that came with that concept car that I've talked about for the last couple of years. Really impressive. I got a chance to talk to the engineers of, of this vehicle and the the Vision EQ Double X. So many lessons they learned on that. It wasn't about performance. It was about how can we really drive efficiency in future Mercedes-Benz road cars. 800-volt platform, very high-density battery, very efficient electric drive units, and in the CLA, they said they'll offer two battery chemistries, uh, the top-tier version with a silicon oxide anode and a base model with LFP, lithium-ion phosphate technology. Uh, the CLA, you'll note, is not called EQ-CLA or EQ-something. CLA is a name they give to their petrol cars. And at the minute, even though this is a concept car, and uh, it's an indication of where their road cars are going to be, uh, a notable absence of any kind of EQ branding. Isn't that interesting? Uh, targeting 250 kilowatt DC fast charging, which means about 250 miles or 400 Ks, added in 15 minutes of charging. So again, it's not a specific car that's going to be on the road at any time soon, but it's what they're working towards. And I think the Mercedes will probably hit that. Uh, let me tell you about something that was also 
teased in a sketch form, and that's the little G. And I'm, uh, this is brilliant because the G wagon, the G class, is not a vehicle that I that we need. It's far too big, and it's petrol, and there'll be an electric version coming at some point. But they did confirm that the little G is coming. Baby G is going to be a smaller version of the G-Class, entirely electric, although I would think they would probably do this in combustion as well to make some more money out of this. Launch date undisclosed. It's only a sketch for now, so even if they're uh, far away, far along, sorry, on the design process, it's not going to be imminent. Maybe 2026 in sort of two and a half years time. It'll again use the MMA architecture, and so that means it wouldn't be a body-on-frame structure like a G-Class, uh, but a unibody design, and it wouldn't be significantly shorter, but it would be lower, I think, and just generally more compact than a G-Class. But maybe they think there's there's money in that segment to be made if they're not also selling EQAs, EQBs, EQCs, but a smaller G-Wagon, a baby G, if you like, then then. Good luck to them, and it looks it looks very very cool. Uh, we'll wait and see. Let's talk a little bit about a car that was a concept last week. Sorry if you can hear building in the background. I got all my doors and windows open because it's so nice today, and then they've started building a house next door to me. Um, but hopefully, oh, it's gone quiet again. Um, hopefully, we've got some more details coming in about Volkswagen's ID GTI. Now, if I'd done a podcast last week, which we couldn't have done because of uh, uh, aforementioned adoptions, uh, then I would have talked about this concept car, the ID GTI concept. And shortly after we've all got used to the news, they've now confirmed that the production model is indeed in the works. We kind of knew that because we'd seen this vehicle already. Everyone got very excited about the ID GT, GTI last week, but we have seen this vehicle months ago, which no one really pointed out. It's because we'd already seen the ID2 all, and this is the same vehicle. It's styled differently. It'll have some different, you know, it's not about like flared wheel arches and stuff when I say style differently, but and engineering-wise, it will be different. Technical specifications haven't been released, but it will be a hot hatch. Uh, it'll have a front electronic locking differential. It will need to meet all of those things that when they talk about a GTI car, it is uh, ticking all those boxes. But otherwise, we'd seen the ID to all concept based on the MEB entry platform. Now, that vehicle had 223 horsepower and is out in 2025, and so it's a smaller polo-sized vehicle. And that's what this GTI is going to be based on. They have got themselves again tied in knots, and they said that the I in GTI will be intelligence. Okay, but no one cares because Porsche called the Taycan the Taycan Turbo, and there's no turbo charging. Just no one cares. And I think it's fair to say, I'm not being mean, that VW, under their old leadership, got themselves really tied up in knots over reinventing themselves over electric. And one of the things that's the new management seem to be making overtures towards, which is we're not going to throw out the ID name, but actually we've spent years building up names like the Golf. And why are we, and that's true, why are we throwing that out? Because the Golf name wasn't toxic. So VW was a bit toxic because of Dieselgate and they had to reinvent themselves in some ways, but the actual brand names like Golf, nothing wrong with that. And yet ID3 is also a very cool name, but you are starting from scratch a little bit. And so GTI is just a name that they're just famous for. So just use GTI. But they're saying, well, it's not injection, but it's intelligence. You don't need to tell us that. 
It's just GTI. It's cool. We, we get it. Now, that does, of course, mean GTX. There's a big question mark over that. The design chief at VW, Andreas Mint, I did see clarifying the GTX name will be used for now on all-wheel drive electric sports cars. But then what happens to GTX? You don't need GTX. They kind of invented it because of electric. But you have, for for, for very fast four-wheel drives, you have the R badge. So just use GTI for front-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive and use the R badge for very fast four-wheel drive electric cars. I don't have any problem with that. I'm going to reinvent the wheel, even though we are reinventing how we go about our mobility. Electric performance hatches like the uh, Arbath 500E based on the Fiat 500, the MG4 X-Power. I can't wait to drive that car. Already available. So they have beaten VW to the punch a little bit on this. Renault are bringing one. Mini are bringing one as well. So VW do have some catching up to do. What are the specs of the ID GTI concept that we saw last week at the IAA show in Munich? Well, like I say, based on the standard ID2, which is their... Uh, their base, their base vehicle, MEB entry platform and front wheel drive, and so again, we don't know too much more, too many more details on that apart from the 56 kilowatt hour battery pack, and that's for the bigger version. There's a smaller battery pack as well, about 38, I think, kilowatt hours. So you think the GTI version would use that? bigger pack or maybe there's an even better one a third option that they'll try and squeeze into that small footprint fast charging on the id2 was always pitched at 125 kilowatts again that's probably about right for today it's not very future proofed uh, had a on the 11 inch digital instrument display the ability to mimic an old mark ii golf's analog dials and that's okay as well because I've talked, again, long-time listeners have heard me reference the old iPhone. When the iPhone was first launched, and I, I learnt a new word, skewomorphism, uh, because the notepad app in the first iPad genuinely looked like a little leather-bound notepad, and it was all it was new technology made to look like old. And then as people got used to what the notepad app was on, or the notes app was on an iPhone, they just got rid of that, and now it's just it looks cool and contemporary. And so if, for now, car makers want to reference old analog things that's okay as well as long as you can turn it off like i don't want to see that but it might be fun it might be cool it's doing nobody any harm is it even though it's a weird kind of throwback so again let me know your thoughts on the id gti concept which we now know is coming i'll take a really quick break got loads more stories to come today sorry i've been chatty i've missed you i've been waffly and chatty i'm sorry about that back in a second stick around All right, now let's talk a little bit about what's happening at the minute with the IAA show. And lots of people are talking about the Chinese. Now, I've been doing it for the last 1,800 episodes of this podcast. And it is kind of funny how uh, every so often the European car makers go, oh, Chinese, and working out how to fight them and how to combat them on European and US shores as well. BMW's chief, for instance, he's called Oliver Zipser. He's raised concerns about the Europeans' ability to compete with Chinese makers based purely on cost because of the petrol and diesel ban. Again, BMW are one that, ones that have prevaricated for such a long time. They say good things about EVs, but then they'll say good things about hydrogen. Then they'll say, oh, but we're moving to EV too fast. And so it's they haven't really got a position. You kind of feel like BMW say what they need to say at that point in time, but you don't really know what they mean because they say kind of everything to please all people. But they are complaining again about the ban on petrol and diesel. 
and how that's going to put them at a disadvantage. Chinese EV makers have an inbuilt pricing advantage uh, with cheaper labour in China, and we won't get into the geopolitical side of it, but that has to be considered as well. Look, they've got all of the access to the, the lithium battery production industry, which is in China, and is, and now the rest of the world is trying to catch up and have, have plans to overtake, obviously. But in terms of affordable cars, they're all coming out of China, and it's not like they're pieces of crap. They're really, really good cars. Now, BMW's chief is apprehensive because of the budget segment of the market. So again, BMW operate in a more premium space, high profit margins, etc. But surely you need to lean on that BMW brand to protect their business. Because if you got the same price, you know, a nice a, a nice uh, Neo or something like a really good high-tech Neo Xpeng or a BMW, oh, just lean into all that heritage and premium feel of BMW, at least here in Europe and maybe the US. That isn't working in China because for any of the European car makers, they haven't really delivered what Chinese buyers currently want, which is high-tech integration into people's digital lives with you know, voice assistants and all those kind of things. And they're just not delivering on that. They're trying to lean into those brand values in China. And it hasn't worked as well as they want it to. The IAA Mobility Show in Munich is highlighting the need. There's a big presence from the Asian car makers. 41% of the exhibitors are based there. Uh, the presence of Chinese companies has doubled. BYD, CATL, Xpeng are all there. Tesla talking about their new Model 3. I'm sure you saw the details. Wish I could have been here last week to talk about it. With a launch price of 43,000 euros. That's launching in October. And the Chinese EV makers, who I've mentioned, Neo, BYD, Xpeng and more as well, are really heavily starting to target the European market. Again, been talking about it a long time on this podcast. Uh, European EV sales surged by 55% last year. Uh, and in the first six months of this year, it was 820,000 vehicles, pure EV, 13% of the European region, but some countries are far, far higher, as you know. 8% of the new EVs purchased in Europe so far this year have been Chinese. So it's still less than 10%, but thems are coming and the numbers are going up from 4% in 2021, 6% last year, and now so far this year, 8% Chinese EVs sold in the European market. Big price difference between the two regions as well. The average EV price in China was 30 32,000 euros, $35,000 in Europe. It's about 56,000 euros. Big Chinese maker, in fact, the number one EV maker in the world, CATL, has plans to manufacture their forthcoming fast-charging fast battery technology in both Germany and Hungary, obviously as well as China. They announced at the IAA Munich show the... New Shen Shenxing battery, if that's how I say it, is going to start production in China at the end of this year for vehicles in 2024. As the leading battery producer globally, CATL says their new battery technology with um, lithium-ion phosphate underlying technology will achieve a range of 400 kilometers with a 10-minute charge. Typically, these vehicles have 700 kilometers when fully charged. Again, you could just put a bigger battery in and go just go further, but that would be that would be um, typical. CATL began its production at their German facility last December, the end of last year, I believe it was, and the Hungary battery factory should kick off in the next couple of years. Now, here's an interesting story from the Swedish company Scania, who make trucks, and they've unveiled a semi-truck with solar panels all over the side of the trailer on the, the flat side, what would be like a curtain, if you like. And 
I appreciate what they're doing here, and it gets lots of attention. I saw this story reported far and wide, actually, in lots of various places. So the truck has 100 kilowatt hour of battery capacity. There's another 200 kilowatt hours in the trailer itself, uh, but then covering it in solar panels, all on the sides and the roof of the trailer, to talk about how you could generate electricity as you drive. These stories are, unfortunately, they I think they they lead people away from what's important because. Well, I don't know if you've got solar panels at home. We've got 17 panels at home, you know, ideally suited to the right angle and all those kind of things. And and they don't generate a huge amount per day, let alone putting glass panels on the side of a truck, which is always moving and shaded and not at the right angle. You just don't generate a reasonable amount of electricity for what you get back in return. Otherwise, we'd be covering our cars in solar panels already. So... Fair enough for Scania for doing this. I think they had some money provided as a grant or something for a research project for this. So it came from somewhere. And so they've kind of had to talk about, hey, we're putting solar panels on our trucks. But it, I don't think this is a goer, really. But I might be wrong. But going electric with big commercial vehicles is happening at such a pace. While I was away, I did read this story about First Bus. Now, they're a big bus company here in the UK. Their depot in Leeds is undergoing a big transformation because they're going all electric. Diesel buses are being replaced with rapid chargers and electric buses. The fast chargers will top up uh, or fully fill their EV buses in two and a half hours. They're going to be all electric by 2035 across the first bus fleet. But they've got 4,500 buses, so I think a third of their Leeds depot is going to be all electric. And they talk about, and this article that I read, I'll pop a link in the show notes, about how the biggest challenge for them has been, you know, digging up the ground and getting a big enough grid connection. They've got ground-level chargers, they've got a gantry system as well when space is limited, and they're talking about all the benefits of removing big diesel tanks, about having to refill the vehicles there, all the diesel-related equipment, all of the extraction material uh, equipment to extract diesel fumes when the vehicles are running and testing and maintenance. You can rip all of that out, create way more room, and have a much cleaner environment for those professionals that are servicing the vehicle, the engineers, uh, to diagnose those vehicles, a much better quality of workplace to work in. And that's one of the many benefits of going EV. Here's a story I saw crop up while I was away as well. I thought I must bring that to you. It's really interesting. We never, ever talk about kind of the uh, India, Africa, the emerging markets. But a new startup in Kenya is talking about battery replacement uh, sorry, battery swapping on electric motorbikes. EV motorbikes are a really obvious win in countries like India and Africa, you know, on the African continent. Uh, and in Kenya, uh, they do kind of align with the Africa Climate Summit in Nairobi, which is going on at the moment. They're talking about their plan to introduce 1.2 million EV bikes in Kenya alone, but to use battery swapping. Now, there's a company called Spiro. Uh, they're rolling out 140,000 of these in Uganda over the next five years. And although the higher upfront cost can put people off than their petrol two-wheel bikes, because the operational expenses are so much lower, especially if you charge them on renewable electricity, that if you do use your bike for you know business or delivery or even like bike taxis and things like that, you can almost double the profit that you're making every day. And battery swapping from this company is, they say, pivotal in promoting constant use of these bikes. It's like $2 a week or something you have to subscribe to. The, the, you know, the numbers are very small, but again, the salaries are so much smaller as well and what you can make a day so a fantastic little story there uh and you know if you're interested i'll pop a link in the show notes but 
brilliant that these projects are happening all around the world. And just if I don't find these little nuggets on the podcast to bring you as a one or two line story, it would otherwise go largely unreported because, you know, everyone's talking about what Elon Musk tweeted or something, which is, ah, well, that's fine, but there's more interesting stuff to talk about. That's your podcast for today. Thank you to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of The Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley from Nevo.ie and the Nevo EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map, and least plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good one, see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid. I've missed saying that. <laughs>